All right. Well, with that, um, our text today is Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 through 14. We are continuing our journey through the book of Ephesians. Uh, last week, Brother John talked about what it looks like for us as believers to take off the old self and put on the new self, that is Christ. And, and he kind of walked us through some of those specific ways that we as believers can really take action on this call from Ephesians for us to take off the old self and put on the new self in Christ. Uh, but his the focus last week was on kind of the how that impacts us as a church body in our relationships with each other. And I really appreciated what he said. He said it's it's good for us as believers to be in the church, but we need to make sure that the church is in us. And that means, you know, that we're not just showing up on Sundays, doing a quick high five, love Jesus, and then never seeing each other throughout or talking throughout the rest of the week. No, we're called to be interconnected into each other's lives. And that's one of the things that I know me personally and my family, we've appreciated since our time being here and uh, hope that you continue to do that as well. Um, and our text today transitions from the internal witness within the church body to the external. And so with that, we'll read our, our passage today. Ephesians 5, verses 1 through 14. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is, an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore do not become partners with them, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you again just for the uh, wonderful uh, opportunity that we so often take for granted. Lord, we remember a time not too long ago when COVID was rampant, where it was hard for us to gather as a church body, Lord, to uh, worship you in spirit and in truth together in person. And so, Lord, we we recognize that uh, there are many around the world that are persecuted for, for doing such, and, and yet you call us to do that. You call us to uh, gather together to worship you, to fellowship with one another, to uh, challenge and encourage one another. And so, Lord, we ask that you would do that uh, today, that you would be with us now, Lord, that through the uh, love and power of your Holy Spirit, Lord, you would open my mouth uh, to speak your word clearly, Lord, that you would open our ears to hear your word, our minds to understand them, and our hearts to 
uh, receive. And we just thank you and praise you and ask all these things. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right. Well, um, again, uh, jumping on in here with verse 1, we see uh, Paul saying, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. And uh, I know uh, back in Bible college, uh, one of my professors, he said, anytime you see a therefore in Scripture, you need to look and see what that therefore is there for. And uh, as we as we do that, we, we are reminded, you know, this our passage today is not just an isolated, we take it out of the context that is the book of Ephesians and just say like, oh, well, let me just study this in a vacuum. No, this is within the context of the entire book of Ephesians and really within the, enti- the context of the entire uh, scripture. Um, and so it's, it's good when we see the therefore to recall again last week, this call and the weeks prior, this call to take off the old self and put on the new self, which is in Christ. And we saw some of those examples of how we're to do that internally within the body and how that impacts us being able to sharpen one another in preparation for our impact on the world. And so that is our transition today, is now that we know, therefore, of how we're to live within the church body now we need to see how we're to live outside the church body when we encounter the world and become a, a witness and continue our witness to the, for the world to see. And so, you know, this call to be imitators, we see, you know, be imitators of God. And a lot of times, you know, when we think imitation these days, we think, you know, an imitator is, is a bad thing. You know, it's, it's a, we often think like, oh, that's a cheap imitation or an imitator is like, just, uh, oh, well, they're not the real thing. Well, that's not the context here. The, this imitation means we are called to do our best to be like Christ. Again, putting on the new self, putting on Christ, putting on his love and his light. And we see this, this uh, context or this uh, use of imitator used elsewhere by Paul. We see in 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, Paul says, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Whew, that's, a, that's a bold uh, call. You know, I don't know about you, but I'm not always feeling confident to, that my life is, is so in line with, with God's word and his love that I can say, hey, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And yet that's what we're called to. We're called to imitate Christ so that we can call those around us to say, hey, you know, I welcome you to look at my life, the good, the bad, and the ugly, because, you know, ultimately it's by God's love and grace that I am saved and and we're able to just with authenticity talk with people and share our testimony with them and point them to Christ and his gospel. And we'll we'll be getting to that more. But this call is to be imitators, you know, think about, you know, to be or not to be, that is the question. Um, and so, you know, that's for, something for us to take heart to is, is it's to be, it's that, you know, becoming Christ, becoming like Christ. And that's something that we, it's not a suggestion, it's a command, be imitators of Christ. But the context of it is Paul, again, you know, he's uses throughout Ephesians and the others is, is this understanding of calling us, you know, beloved children. Um, you know, we, and I think it helps with this call of imitating Christ, you know, when we think about how children um, like to imitate things, um, you know, 
my kids, when they're really young, they like to imitate being a horse. Um, and, uh, you know, as, as they've grown older, you know, seeing uh, the ways that they, you know, imitate um, their mother or me, and, it's, and that is when it becomes like, man, a, a sobering wake-up call, like, oh, am I being a good witness of Christ to my children? And, uh, you know, I think of this, uh, it's a country song um, that's called, you know, it's titled, um, I'll Be Watching You. Um, some of you may be familiar with it, but it's just this back and forth about this dad who is having these conversations uh, and experiences with his son, and his son, you know, is copying the father, and he says, you know, a swear word, and his father's like, oh, where'd you learn that, son? And he's like, oh, I've been watching you. And it's like, oh, man. And so is that humbling reality of like, oh, man, I got to make sure that I'm setting a good example. But then the song continues where, and I get choked up a little bit uh, thinking about my own son, but he he sees his son bowing down and praying in the evening, and he says, you know, hey, where'd you learn that? And he said, I've been watching you. And uh, sorry, um, I had the wonderful time of, of taking my son Levi up to a, um, a boys' camp and just seeing him uh, just grow in the Lord. And so I just kind of get the feel. So whew, big, deep breath. We'll, we'll power on through. Um, but yeah, it's, it's that uh, it's that reminder that you know within our children and, and certainly within the rest of the world, you know, we have that responsibility that we are to be imitators of Christ. And so, you know, when people, the world is watching, people are watching, they're looking to see, and we'll talk about that more of, of just a, a good imitation versus a false imitation and, and presenting the, the true gospel of light and love versus, you know, just this, this outward, uh, facade. Um, but again, going back to this, um, being like children, we look at Christ's words in Matthew 18 verses three and four, where, you know, some of the people were bringing children to Jesus, and at first the disciples were like, no, 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 Jesus has more important things than to be with children. But we remember that Jesus said, no, you know, bring them, bring them here. And then in fact, he says, truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And so that's kind of the context, that we are to be humble. We are to be like children that desire to imitate their parents. Um, that should be our hearts, a desire to imitate our loving Heavenly Father, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So continuing on in verse 2, it says, Walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Again, this imagery of walk means action. It's not, hey, just, you know, talk the talk, you know, 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 you know, how to, to present a good, uh, front of, of the gospel and God's word and a Christian faith. No, this is walk the walk. This is where the rubber meets the road. And what is it a call of walking? Well, it's a walk in love. And that's the thing that, you know, I want to reiterate. Um, you know, if there's something to foot stomp, it's this walk in love because we can easily get, get off course into, uh, into, you know, pursuing, uh, the good deeds that scripture calls us to and abstaining from the, uh, the bad deeds, which, you know, thankfully Paul does a good job in, in Ephesians and, and, um, God's word does throughout scripture. It gives us a good guideline of, you know, the, the things that we should do to please God and the things that we should abstain from. Um, 
But all of that has to be rooted and grounded in love, a love for God and a love for people. And we see this example, this call to walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. And so that's a, it's a walk of sacrifice. It's a call of of sacrifice. In fact, I was talking with my wife this morning. We were just talking about how, you know, as um, as families and within the body of Christ, you know, we're called to to sacrifice for for one another and to to model that for our kids. That hey, sometimes you know, putting the needs of others um, is is more important than you know um, something that that we may want to to do. And and so it's it's that call to sacrificial love, putting the the true needs of of others over the wants or desires of ourself. Continuing on, so so Paul kind of sets up this what what we need to do the the shoulds, if you would, and then now we're transitioning in the uh, the do nots, and he says, but put sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. So, starting off, you know, in these things that we're to not do or, or to put off really, you know, within the context of things that are still tied to the old self is sexual immorality. Um, again, we, we recall the uh, Greco-Roman culture, sexual immorality was rampant. And, uh, you know, again, not, not so much a big uh, thing for, for the, the Jews to work through. Their, their issue was more kind of legalism, though many of them, you know, live in side by side with uh, the the pagans, I'm sure there was that temptation. But here Paul is talking to uh, Gentile Christians, Gentile believers, where sexual immorality was was common practice. It was it was no surprise. In fact, it was expected for uh, you know men to you know yes be married, but to you know go to the brothels on their way home from work and then have a you know a slave that uh, that they would do other things with and uh, and you know just all this you know rampant immorality and you know we're so far removed from that context um in many ways we're gonna be like oh well you know how's that what's that have to do with me today well you know if you're like me you know if you see you know advertisements you know whether it's on your phone or you know the advertisements for movies media it's rampant it's around us it's it's now gone from being tolerated in our culture to um celebrated and really, you know, trying to just cram it down, I wouldn't say our throats, I would say our eyes and our ears. Um, and so there's that that temptation. You know, we know that uh, pornography is is still a huge challenge. And uh, for a while, I know it was talked about like, oh, well, that's, that's just a, you know, that's a men's problem. Well, you know, a lot of statistics lately are saying that it's not just a men's problem. And so it's something that we need to be uh, aware of, um, and uh, that it's something that if we're struggling with, we should, as our text last week said, that we you know reach out for for help, support, for encouragement. Again, you know, talk about the uh, the wonderful thing about this church body is the different um, men's Bible studies and women's Bible studies and family uh, Bible studies that are available. I know some of them are on break or transition right now, but a great way to 
to really be interconnected with one another and to have that opportunity of saying, hey, I'm struggling in this, in a particular area. I need prayer. And rather than having a bunch of people just saying, oh, well, shame on you for struggling, it's, hey, brother, hey, sister, let's, let's pray together and, and walking alongside and, and checking in on each other and, and sharing one another's burdens. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's, yes, we have this, this first item, which, the reason why it's it's mentioned is because it was such a prevalent issue, especially among the Gentiles, but I would say it's such a prevalent issue amongst us today, is sexual immorality. But then it then Paul ups to Annie, he's like, Okay, well, you know, if you're not struggling with that, all impurity. Like, man, he's just like I'm gonna do the the blanket umbrella, catch all of it, you know, all impurity. Uh or covetousness. You know, a lot of times we think like covetousness, like why why is that such a big deal? And and especially when it talks about you know being, um, and I'm jumping a little ahead of myself, but you know this tie with with idolatry. Um, you know when we're coveting um, something that somebody else has, you know we're we're not being thankful for what God has given us, what He has blessed us with. And again, you talk about a way that the world continues to tempt us, and uh, and that is with. You know, keeping up with the Joneses. Like, I know for me, technology is is a uh, uh, temptation. You know, wanting to make sure that I have the you know latest gadget and whatnot. And thankfully, my wife has kind of helped rein me back in. Of like, hey, like that's not, that's more of a want, not a need. Uh, but you know, whether it's fast cars, whether it's you know wanting the latest uh, tractor, um, you know, whatever it is. You know, hey, we laugh, but man, I tell you what, having a uh, Having a good tractor for bush hogging property versus a, a one that's constantly breaking down—that's a, a yeah—it makes a big difference, especially out here in, in Valley Center. Um, so yeah, you know that's it's that call. You know whatever these different struggles are, it's part of the old self. We're to put it off, or to to take it off as we're putting on Christ. And uh, you know the covetousness—the the reason it's an issue is not only because it prevents us from, from being thankful for what God has given us. But it also, the reason why Paul says it's idolatry is because really when we think about it, we are elevating this thing that somebody else has, a created object. We are now elevating above the creator, the, the God from whom all blessings flow. And so that is the, the warning, that is the, the call that Paul is saying is like, hey, be on the guard don't participate in covetousness because at the root is it's idolatry. You're worshiping that object more than you are God. And then moving on with the with the list, uh, Paul says, "Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place. But instead, let there be thanksgiving." And so, you know, this filthiness, this filthy talking, is more rightly understood to be shameful talk. You know, often when we see this, we just immediately think like, oh, well, they're talking about swearing, talking about using foul words. Well, that's not necessarily the case. Like, yes, that is one application, but a lot of it is just, um, you know, shame, talking about things that we as believers really don't have any business talking about, you know, talking about things that the, the world delights in. That's something that we should not delight in talking about. You know, I think, uh, you know, one of the examples is um, gossip. You know, 
if we're gossiping about others, you know, we oftentimes it can be guys, oh, well, you know, we need to pray for this person, but we need to know what to pray about. Like, no, that's, that is not, you know, there's a, there's a time and a place for, for prayer, um, but the right context is if that person comes to you in prayer or you go to them as, as scripture lays out, you know, one-on-one or going them in love and truth and saying, hey, you know, I sense you're struggling with this, or hey, you've you said you're struggling with this. Let's pray about it. But to go to so and so and say, hey, they're struggling. Let's let's pray about it. That's that's gossip. That is not um, that. I would say that that falls in line with these shameful things because we're not. That's not being loving towards uh, others. And and we can fall prey to say like, oh, well, it's not it's not good to gossip about our brothers and sisters in the Lord, but. We can gossip about others. We can gossip about the unbelievers. Well, no, that's that's shameful. Also, we are not um, we are not being a good imitator of Christ and His love. Um, next next thing is foolish talk. You know, we can think like foolish talk is. I mean, we we really lose the weight of fool um, these days. We just think of foolish as like you know lighthearted silliness, like you know. If you're like me, you know, you grew up hearing Mr. T say, you know, I pity the fool. Uh, but really when you, I guess, not not a whole lot of Mr. T, everybody's like, Phew. So anyhow, I'll move along. Um, but fool, back in this context, like fool was was a very harsh, it was, it was somebody that like they chose to reject, you know, all common sense and all that is right and good and true and instead chose to live a life of just complete folly. You know, we, we think about the, the prodigal son of like a, a great example of, of a fool that had the blessing and had the opportunity to, uh, and had the wealth and yet wound up squandering it all on, on foolish living. You know, foolish talk, you know, I think of, you know, um, at at best, it's just, you know, things that are a waste of time, you know, spending too much time talking about things that in the grand scheme really don't matter much. But at worst, it's talking about foolish things that, that set us up for failure. You know, I think about uh, my time with uh, uh, Marines in particular. I would say sailors too, um, but definitely Marines. You know, there's, when you're stuck, you know, just waiting out in the field for hours and hours and hours, there's some foolish talking that goes on. And a lot of times that foolish talking turns into goading of like, hey, like I, I bet you wouldn't do this or I bet you couldn't do this. And then all of a sudden you have foolish talk turning into foolish behavior. And so, you know, that is, that is one of the, the big guards is, is we know that, you know, you know our, our thoughts, you know, our, our actions follow our thoughts. And the more that we're talking about foolish things with other people, the more likely we are to fall into foolish behavior. Um, crude joking, it's pretty self-explanatory. Um, but the again, Paul says, these are out of place. Paul is saying, these conversations do not belong within the body of Christ. They are part of the old ways, the old self. But instead, let there be thanksgiving. So Paul here offers a right replacement for such improper topics of speech, you know, to be thankful, to, to be in our discussions with one another about Thanksgiving, being thankful for the Lord's provision in our lives, being thankful for uh, just the opportunities to 
to um, be blessed by others, to be a blessing to the others, to witness to the world. You know, this um, the beauty about God's word is not just, again, it's not just taking off the old self. It's putting on the new self. It's replacing um, sin with God's uh his his spirit his nature and and it's it's a wonderful thing. Uh, continuing on with verse five, for you may be sure of this that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous that is an idolater has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. You know, so this continuing the list of warnings against the old self that we're to take off. Um, you know, we again sexual immorality. You know, we when we recall the you know, Christ upping the ante, he, he says, you know, if you look at a woman with lust, you know, you've committed that sin. And, uh, and so, you know, again, um, the, the emphasis is like, hey, we need to be aware. We need to uh, make sure that we're taking our thoughts captive and that we're not letting our passions run out of control. You know, um, but this warning within this, that anybody who uh, commits these acts, um, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God, I want to bring some clarification. It's not just anybody who commits these acts, because the reality is all of us have sinned. All of us have fallen short of the glory of God. And so if it's just like if, if Paul was saying, hey, if you slip up in any of these areas, you're doomed, then we're missing the point. We're missing the reality of the gospel is that um, that Christ died for our sins and that we're saved from our sins. And But God didn't just save us from our sins and just allow us to continue living in sin. No, we're saved from our sins so that we can experience walking in this new life. And so this this uh, clarification is, um, you know, I, one uh, commentary that I looked at, it says, they are not indeed left without hope. The gate of repentance stands open. And that's a beautiful reminder of, you know, this text is, it's talking about, you know, it, it's those that continue living in sin with no remorse, no repentance, no desire to change. Even as we recall from the context last week, when brought, when sin is brought to our attention by loving brothers and sisters in Christ, you know, that the context is those that have their hearts hardened, um, and continue living in this sin, uh, within these sins without any sense of remorse or repentance. This is a warning, is a reminder that we are to be Christians in word and deed. You know, James one twenty two says, Be doers of the word, not hearers only, lest you deceive yourselves. Again, the the emphasis there and emphasis in our passage today is for us to be checking ourselves. You know, yeah, we can try to fool the world for a while, but the reality is we can't fool God. And the biggest concern is us winding up fooling ourselves, deceiving ourselves um, by continuing to live in sin with no remorse, with no call to repentance, with no um, contriteness of the heart saying, Lord, like I recognize that I've messed up. I need your forgiveness. I need your grace to, to overcome and conquer this area of sin in my life. Verse 6, let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. And again, this reminder to be on our guard against the temptation and deception of the world. When we see this empty words, well, why are they empty? Well, it's because they're void of God's truth. We recall two weeks ago from chapter 4 that they, being you know those 
Gentiles that are still uh, living up amongst the, the pattern of the world, they're darkened in their understanding. And the wrath of God comes down on them because they choose to reject God's truth and follow the lies of the world, the flesh, and the devil, and pursue the old self, their sinful passions. And uh, we'll, we'll kind of dive into more of that, some modern examples of that here in a little bit. Um, but, you know, it's that call to to be to be informed by God's word, to be transformed by the renewing of our minds in accordance with God's word so that we won't be deceived by these empty words of those around us. Um, moving on, therefore, do not become partners with them. You know, it's not only don't be deceived by them, but don't become partners with them as well. And, you know, it's not just mere warning to not be associated with them. It's not saying like, Hey, don't, you know, go to lunch with unbelievers. Like, no, that's not, that's not the context. It's saying do not become partners with them. Do not, the word partners is joint heirs. It's like a business partner. Uh, it's somebody that you are committing to join in their venture. And we know that their venture is that of sinfulness. And, um, and so, you know, we know that if you join in somebody, uh, as a, in a business venture and that venture goes poorly, hey, then we we bear the brunt of that as well. And so how much more so when we know that eternity is in, on the line? And even as for those of us who are sealed uh, in our faith and, uh, you know, we can still wind up being robbed of, of the blessings in our lives by joining in uh, sinfulness and joining in folly with, with unbelievers. And so do not become partners with them. And why is in verse 8, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. And so again, it's that call back to humility, walking as children of light, walking as imitators of Christ. And again, um, this this call to walk, it it's a call to action and that we are children, we're heirs to the promise. We're heirs to the promise of of um, of salvation, of glory, sharing in Christ's glory, and uh, and a promise as you know we're no longer at enmity with the Lord, but we have been adopted as children, as sons and daughters, making us um, now uh, heirs of the promise that we are our princes and princesses. I know. Um, you know, my my daughters are like, oh, princess, I like that. Um, but, you know, I call my son a prince as well. He doesn't get as excited, but he still smiles about it. So, um, but yeah, that, that's the reality. And again, in 2 Corinthians 6.14, it says, Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers, for what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness, or what fellowship has light with darkness. So again, we're called to be children of the light. We're to not be partakers with darkness. In, in verse 9, it says, For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And here Paul is stating what walking as children of light entails. That which is good, that which is morally and qualitatively good, according to God's standard. Again, God's standard, not the world's standard, because we see a lot in our culture today um, of the world trying to say, call evil good and good evil. And so we need to make sure that we're informed by what God's word says is good. And then what is right? What is, 
righteous and right standing with God. You know, again, we're, we're called to be uh, righteous. And again, it's not our works that, that make us righteous. It's Christ's work. And so we're to walk in that faith of what he has done. And then what is true? Again, we live in a world that says truth is relative. It's whatever you want it to be. The reality is that is not true. Um, truth is what God says is true. Truth is God's word, and we need to remember that and take that to heart so that we can um, engage the world informed with compassion, but with knowledge, with wisdom, with truth uh, to combat their lies. And verse 10 says, to try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. And again, Romans 12, 2 says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And so, and I, I love this, the try to discern. It's, it's that call to action, understanding that we're not always going to get it right. But as, as we continue the walk, as we continue to um, support each other as brothers and sisters in Christ and iron sharpening iron, more and more as we grow in our, our knowledge and understanding of the Lord and our sanctification, we're going to be uh, more successful in our try uh, to discern what is pleasing to God. And most importantly, going to God's Word. We are guided by the Holy Spirit and the Word. Verse 11, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. So again, P- Paul is, is upping the ante once more. It's not merely good enough, for, good enough for us to just not partake in the works of darkness, but we're called to expose them. I think about um, the, uh, the movie, I'm drawing a blank on the name. I know I've heard a lot of y'all talking about it, and I have not get, gotten to s- sound. Thank you, Sounds of Freedom. You know, exposing the, the darkness of, of um, the slave trade that is going on th- around the world. And, uh, uh, you know, again, a lot of times, you know, it's, it's so uh, downplayed in our American society. You know, it's, it's not even on a lot of folks' radar. And yet it's, it's happening, not just around the world, but it's actually happening here in our country, even here in our state. And so we're called, you know, not just to to abstain from it, but we're called to expose it. We're called to be uh, champions of what is right and good uh, and pleasing to the Lord. Um, some, uh, And we'll jump into some other examples of that here in a bit. For it, In verse 12, for it is shameful to even speak of things they do in secret. And again, the context back here is Paul is likely talking about, you know, things that are going on in uh, the uh, religious cults or pagan rituals of that day. Um, but we can, you know, again, thinking about things like that are going on today, things that are are done um, that are shameful, that are, you know, we're not to be even talking about. Um, and then verse 13 says, but when anything is exposed by light, it becomes visible. Again, Paul is echoing Christ's word, words in Luke uh, eight seventeen. It says, for nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. And similarly in John 3, verses 20 and 21, says, For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. 
And so again, um, we understand, you know, that the light is God, the light is Christ, the light is, is his word. And, and that is what we as children of light should, should be excited about. We should be, uh, stepping boldly, but we, we also have the understanding that the world um, doesn't want to be exposed. The world doesn't want their uh, sinful acts to be called what it is, sinful acts. Um, and so there's that, that, that twist, that desire to, to hide in darkness, and yet we are called to, to be the light bearers, to bring light to, so that those works will be exposed for what they truly are. And uh, verse 14 says, um, For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. So here Paul is quoting Isaiah 60, verse 1, where he says, Arise, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. So again, it's, it's, um, you know, it's important to remember the point that John uh, made last week, um, that Paul is not just pulling this this single verse, this uh, Isaiah 60 verse 1, out of context and trying to somehow fit it to support his point. He's he's calling people to the context of Isaiah chapter 60. And I so we'll explain, expand to verses 1 through 3, where it says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, the thick darkness shall Oh, and thick darkness, the peoples. But the Lord will rise upon you, and his glory will be seen upon you, and nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. That is the full context that Paul is referring to, and that is what it means for us to walk in the light. Christ is the light shining in and through us, and as we imitate him, as we imitate Christ, as we are his light bearers, we draw others to his saving love and grace. And so, you know, hopefully we've been able to gather some things, some ways to uh, apply it to our lives, uh, but I'll, I like to just bring the, the sew up portion, just some, some practical points of application. And so with it this morning uh, come two calls and a warning. The first call is our, our call to imitate Christ. Again, this is not a cheap imitation. It's to be a legit imitation of Christ. You know, I think about examples uh, that some of us may have experienced on Amazon. You know, you you buy something that is, uh, you know, the picture says that it's going to look like this or it's been compared to this, and then you get it and you're like, this is nothing like it would. This is a cheap imitation. This is nothing. Or, or you know, I think about... Um, you know, I had the fun experience uh, with my kids, uh, I guess it was a few months ago. We had this hammer that bought from the Dollar Tree. You know, it was it was a, a good hammer for hitting nails inside the house. But, you know, you know, in a in a pinch, we grabbed it to do some some heavy hitting outside. Well, you know, that hammer quickly broke and crumbled. And the kids were like, what? What are these pieces? And I'm like, that's the hammer. And they're like, what? How'd that happen? And I was like, well... It's a cheap hammer, like this other hammer, and I pulled out the one that my father-in-law, who's a general contractor, encouraged me to buy. Um, I was like, this is a legit hammer. This other one is just a cheap imitation hammer. And so that's, you know, an example for us, you know, that we are to be good imitations of Christ, legit, that we can, we can handle under pressure, that, that, uh, that we can be, you know, 
uh, sincere uh, love and light and and gospel bearers. You know, I, another example um, I've been watching. This is I'm not encouraging anybody to watch this. I'm just kind of maybe confessing or sharing what I've been watching on uh, um, Amazon. Is the the show Shiny Happy People? Um, it's you know it kind of follows the. Uh, the Duggar family, which you know, I was a, a big fan of uh, for many years ago, uh, but it talks about not just the the the, uh, the struggles of the Duggar family, but but really the the whole um, movement that that they were a part of, which on the surface looked good. And you know, we're all about homeschooling. We're all about teaching our our children God's word. Uh, not saying homeschooling is the only way. I'm just saying. We, as my family, we're all about it. And I know there's a number of, of, of families here that do homeschooling, and, and it's great. Uh, but the issue was there was such an emphasis put on outward appearance um, that a lot of sin was happening within the family and really within this whole movement because the movement was built upon these principles that on the, on the surface looked like they were built on Scripture, but in reality, it was built on um, legalism. It was um, actually said like, hey, if you follow these guidelines, you will have a perfect life. And the reality is like, no, like that takes, we're somehow replacing God's grace and his work of sanctification and our obedience to his word and our engagement with, with his word, um, with this list of do's and don'ts, um, and and it wound up being legalism, and and then it became so much emphasis on putting on a pretty front that any time there was sin happening, that was hidden, that was brushed under the rug, that was hey we're going to pretend that that never happened. Well, the reality is, like just as our text here, you know, whatever when darkness happens when darkness is brought into the light it's exposed and so you know the sad reality for those of you familiar with the story is there was a lot of brokenness from a lot the children in the family and and many others impacted because it it would have it would have been one thing had had there been this desire to be humble to be transparent to say hey we messed up we're just, sinners just like everybody else we need grace but no, there was this facade of like, no, there's nothing going on, you know, you know, don't don't look behind the curtain, like uh, just focus on, you know, the wizard. Like, no, there there was a just the wrong emphasis was put on this outward facade rather than really taking in the true reality of the gospel, and that is that we're all sinners saved by grace, and that we can say, like, hey, we we're humble. And we're transparent, and we we confess our sins one to another, and that we set a good example to the world. That when we mess up, we confess to uh, unbelievers to say, "Hey, I I wronged you," and my faith says that I'm I'm called to to apologize, to make amends, to try to restore this relationship, this this trust, and so that our testimony, so our our impact as uh, salt and light, is not. Um, uh, we don't create stumbling blocks to to um, point people to Christ, and so that you know those are examples. Both you know the uh, whether it's something physical or you know whether you've experienced um, you know a cheap imitation 
uh, of, of Christian living, the, the call is to be authentic imitators of Christ, to be like Christ, and the, the examples uh, that, that our text is giving us. Secondly, a warning. Do not be deceived by empty words. You know, the, our uh, culture around us, we, we have a lot of things where, again, the world puts on a good argument of why they're right in different areas. You know, some examples that I think about is, is abortion and uh, maybe ruffling some feathers uh, here, but, you know, abortion, the, the world's emphasis is putting it on woman's health and choice. Those are important things, um, but it's pitting those, putting them against and over the sanctity of life. Uh, which is now so impossible to argue with modern uh, medical science. Like we, we can see when the heartbeat starts. We can see that um, babies experience pain in the womb. Like there's, for a while it was like, you, there, the argument was like, oh, well, it's not really a, a child. It's, you know, there's, um, you know, nothing to worry about. But the reality is like, no, they're having to ignore science and and sound reason to make this argument that somehow uh, abortion is okay. And so, again, these are empty words, but they are being used time and time again to deceive not only the world, but, you know, sadly, those within the church as well. Another thing is, is uh, um, gender treatment therapy, you know, this push for children to have their, their genders changed uh, through various uh, surgeries and and uh, um, you know pumping them with all of these uh, hormones and stuff and and again you know the the reasoning is you know these children know what's best for themselves. Well, I know like I don't know about any of you who have children, but you know if my kids say that they want to eat nothing but cake and candy because they know what's best for themselves, I'm going to say no. Like. I know I've been around for a little bit longer than you. God's given me a little bit more wisdom. No, you're not getting to eat cake and candy every day, every meal. Um, but again, you know, beyond that is just, again, this, we're seeing a huge resurgence of, of evidence that's showing long-term impacts, physiological impacts to children that have had this uh, done to them. So much so that countries around other more liberal countries around the world have said, hey, we're time out. We need to put a stop to this because it's messing our kids up. Well, again, the empty words of those within our our culture today are trying to say, like, no, like, the kids know best. We as, as supportive parents, we need to allow our kids to to do this, you know, no matter what, because it's it's their right, it's their choice. And, you know, that's simply, that is in a complete disconnect with God's word. You know, we are to um, shepherd and encourage our children in the, in the love and understanding of God's word and, and God's purpose and calling for their lives and their identity, our identities in Christ as imitators of Christ, as light bearers of Christ. And now again, we're to, when we encounter those that would try to deceive us with empty words, we're to treat them with love and grace. But we're to not be deceived, and certainly not to join and be partners with them. You know, and, and uh, you know, in other areas is modern academia. You know, a lot of the universities, even seminaries, you know, sadly are are teaching and encouraging and deceiving um, many people 
with things that are contrary to God's word. And so I'm sharing this, you know, and I, I went to Princeton, like, that's a high example of, you know, a seminary that's very, you know, has a, they, you know, claim a high status, and yet so much of what is being taught there is completely contrary to God's word, and in fact, a, a downplay of the authority and integrity of, of God's word. Um, not all of them, you know, I, I did, by God's grace, was able to gravitate those that did hold to uh, to the integrity of God's word. Um, but I share that with, with all of us, not to be scared, not to say like, oh, well, we shouldn't be, you know, letting our kids go to college or we shouldn't be pursuing, um, you know, additional education. Like, no, if you're hearing that, then you're hearing me wrong. What I am saying is this call to not be deceived. It is for us to be well-informed, to be so grounded on God's word that when we go to, uh, whether it's we go to work, whether it's where we go to school, whether it's we encounter a stranger at a coffee shop, that we are so just bubbling forth with Christ's love, where we're walking in Christ's love, where we're being bearers of his light, that we are excited to engage with folks and to talk about God's truth and God's love and God's plan and purpose for every one of our lives. And lastly, you know, our our call to walk in the light, not in darkness. You know, one of my uh, favorite songs from uh, uh, a little while ago uh, was by DC Talk, and it's In the Light. Uh, some of you may be familiar with it. Some of you probably not. I got some. Yeah, so uh, awesome. Um, but yeah, it's, it's you know, this call, I want to be in the light as you are in the light, and just, you know, talking about this desire to be and walk in the light of Christ. And, uh, you know, and so again, it's, we're called to be different. We're called to be, to walk in the light, not in darkness. And again, this isn't a call to legalism because we can easily fall into that trap thinking that if we do the right thing, we will somehow earn favor with God. No, it's because of what God has done in and through us, we have the desire out of a thankful heart, out of a grateful heart, out of a loving heart to do what is pleasing to the Lord and to be light bearers to the world around us. We're called to be the salt and the light to this world. And so, you know, with this, our call, the the closing of this uh, passage of Scripture is wake up and let Christ shine on you. So let's let our our light shine. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, again, we thank you for your word, Lord. We thank you that you didn't just leave us in darkness, Lord, but by your love, by your grace, you called us out of darkness into your light. And so, Lord, as as we've gone through and and seen examples of of how to walk in the light, Lord, and how to uh, abstain from walking in darkness, Lord, Lord, we just ask that you would help us keep our eyes fixed on you, Lord. Lord, that we would uh, just be able to walk in the joy and the love that you have given us, Lord, and that we would just be able to to make an impact on the world around us, Lord, that they would see our light, Lord, that we would they would see our good deeds, they would experience our love, and they would be drawn to you to to give you glory, to to seek to know you and, and to have a relationship with you, Lord. I just pray that you would uh, give us that boldness, give us that compassion to uh, encourage one another, Lord, and to, to engage 
the world uh, because we know that your word says the gates of hell will not prevail against your church. And so we go forth marching in victory, Lord, not in our own strength, Lord, but in your strength, in your plan, in your purpose. And so we thank you and praise you and ask these things. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.